I know it's been a long time, so we're going to recap for a little bit. You have notes, hopefully, that you got on the way in. Um, at the end of this, there's a little tweak and change to it that we're going to make, but for right now, everything's good on it. So let's recap really fast together, my friends. And here we go. Boundaries. What is a boundary? It's something or things that indicate bounds or limits. For example, this fence is keeping me from going off the edge of the stage. It is a boundary. It is a limit. If I go any further, I will fall down and hurt myself and butt my noggin, forget who all of you are, and start to drill on myself. So this is a boundary. It's a good thing to have. It keeps me from harming myself. Yes? Yes. Moving on. Now, the... Boundaries we're going to be talking about specifically are the ones that help us stay focused on, say it with me, Jesus and away from sin. So that's what these boundaries are supposed to do. Past the boundary is sin. Past the boundary is things that are not about God. Past the boundary are things that are, are going to harm us, that are harmful to us. The things on the other side of the boundary are things that help us stay focused on Jesus and, um, and living for things that are godly. So... That's the kind of boundaries we're talking about. Are you with me? Give me a yes if you're with me. All right. Now, the verse that we've been talking about is Romans 6, 13. And this is what it says. Do not offer any part of, your, uh, of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. In other words, we've been saved from death, from sin. We have been saved. So because of that, offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And that is what we want to be. We want to be people who are instruments of righteousness. Another word you could say right there is an instrument of goodness, of godliness. That's the people we want to be. Okay? So boundaries are to help us be this. Keep us away from wickedness, to keep our bodies away from wickedness, and to help us be instruments of righteousness. Are you with me? Say yes. All right, here we go. Now, this week, we talked about the heart. We talked about the mind. Those are all things that are internal, yes? Yes. The thing that we're going to talk about tonight is not internal, but it's more external. It's the stuff that we do, and it's our, our actions. Our actions actually play a big part in who we are. The things that people see you do are going to be the things that people kind of know you for. If all people ever saw me do was going around and uh, throwing uh, Vaseline all over door handles so that when they try to open the door handle, their hand just slips on it all the time, which, by the way, is a very fun prank that I used to play a lot, but not anymore because um, I, uh, I just kind of got tired of it, but uh, it's, it's fun for a little bit. Anyway, if that's all I did, people would be like, hey, there's the Vaseline doorknob guy, um, because that's all I ever did. If all you ever do is go around uh, stealing people's um, lunch money, you'll be the lunch money stealer guy or girl. If all you ever do, it, I think you get the point, right? If all you ever do is something, that's kind of what you're known for. So actions are a big part of who we are. It's kind of what you get to be known for. So we want to have some boundaries not only internally, but we want to have some that are external too that will keep us from doing some dumb stuff, some dumb actions. Now, actions um, play a big part in our relationships. And when I say relationships, I don't mean just relationships like romantic ones. I mean like our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And our actions affect those relationships. 
They can affect them good, like positively, or they can affect them negatively. Like if I go and give my wife a dozen roses, that will affect our relationship positively. If I go and give my wife a bouquet of poison ivy, that would affect our relationship negatively. Or if I pass gas in front of her, she hates that. Um, that would affect our relationship negatively. Quick story about that. Um, we, we are, we're, we're, we're dating at this point, okay? Me and my wife, okay? Um, uh, which is a miracle unto itself that we were dating. But we're dating, we're sitting on the couch, okay? She's on the phone with her mother who lives across the United States in a state called Oregon. And uh, she's living there, talking to her, well, the mom is living there. My wife is living here. But she's on the phone talking to her. And I decide that I have this really good idea. So I, I, as she's sitting there, I kind of like lay uh, across her legs really fast. And I, I kind of poke my, my booty up. And I make a little noise with it. And I've never seen her so mad at me in my whole life. I thought it was going to be like one of those little laugh moments. Like, ha, 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 you tooted in my face. Um, it was, ha, 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 I'm going to murder you right now. And I, I, I was immediately afraid for my life. I got up immediately because her face went from, hey, mama. And on top of that, it was one of the ones that wasn't like, like it didn't, it was it, it didn't not have an odor, if you get what I'm, what I'm stepping in. Um, it, it didn't smell good. And so it was loud, it was proud, and it, and it was pungent. So um, it, she was not happy about that. She was very irritated at me. So that action caused something negative in our relationship. So note to self, guys, don't let a tutti frutti in your, your lady's face, okay? It's not good. Uh, and if you start calling passing gas tutti frutties, that would be awesome. Um, <clears throat> now, are you guys with me so far? Say yes. Okay. Now, there are two major categories in relationships that we're going to talk about here tonight. Two major categories are this. You got your friends, and then you got your more than friends. And there's also like, uh, you know, acquaintances, but we're not going to get all technical here. We'll just say they're friends and there's more than friends. Now, more than friends is romantic and we're going to get to that in a second. But first, let's chat about friends, okay? Um, friends are a funny thing. And uh, there's, there's a few things that I think would it be helpful for all of us to know to help us have good friends, like friends that are not going to be the ones that stab us in the back and gossip about us but they're actually gonna be good friends to us. Ones that we could say, you know, uh, this friend is my BFF and write it all over our notebook. Um, so those kind of friends are the friends we're gonna talk about. And so I wanted us to look at this verse. It's here, it's also here, um, but we're gonna read this one. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no command greater than these. So the greatest thing any of us could do, we've talked about it many times in here, is to love God with everything you have, heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We're gonna use that as the criteria for a good friend. Criteria means the checklist, the, uh, the things that a friend needs to be a good friend are these things. Now, 
In other words, let's break that down kind of simple terms. Friends should love God, okay? There's your first criteria, your first stipulation, your first check mark for a good friend is do they love God? Now, let me preface all that. Let me, let me say this after I said that. I'm not saying you can't be friends with people who don't know who God is. I'm not saying you can't be friends who don't love God. The friends I'm talking about are your close-knit, close group, you know, that just two or three people that are really close to you, that you listen to everything they say, they listen to everything you say, you have sleepovers like every other day, you get on the phone and you talk all the time. I mean, these friends that are really influential in your life, these are the ones that need to be the ones who are loving God. Because if that's what you're saying, which that's our goal here at Revolution, is for all of us to be saying we want to love God with everything we have. If you're trying to do that, you need to have friends that are really close to you that are doing the same thing. So number one, do they love God? Number two, is friends should love you just like they love themselves, meaning they don't go behind your back and talk about you. They don't you know, they're, they're your friend to your face and you're, they're your enemy when they're not around you. They're like a giver. They actually like will try to help you out when you need help. It's all the same things you would want in a good friend there to you because they love you genuinely. Like they really love you. And guys, don't get weirded out by that. We can love each other and it's not weird. Um, so that's what a good friend, the kind of good friends that we're talking about tonight, that's what they look like. They love God with everything they have, just like we want to. They love us just like they love themselves, which is hopefully the kind of friend we're being. We're loving them just like we love us. And through all that, we're honoring God because we're treating people the way Jesus treated people. We're treating people the way God treats people. So two big things right there. Loving God, loving you is what a good friend should be doing. You with me? All right. Now, there's a story in the Bible of these two guys who were really good friends. And I'm using guys because girls usually jump onto the whole best friend thing pretty easy. Um, You guys, uh, you know, y'all click really well sometimes. Guys, we're a little bit slower to the whole friend being real close thing. Um, And there's these two guys in the Bible called David and Jonathan. David's fairly famous. Uh, Most of you probably heard of him. He's the guy who killed the big dude, Goliath. With a sling, he's also killed like bears and lions. Uh, He was also the king of Israel for a long time. Um, He was a a pretty cool dude. The Bible actually says he he was a man after God's own heart. So he was a pretty cool guy. David um, had a friend though, and his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was the son of the king before David. And Saul is the guy who was the king of the army when David killed Goliath. And uh, Saul kind of went through a rough patch with David for a while where he wanted to kill him. <laughs> Not a big deal, really. Um, he just wanted him to die. Uh, but his son, Jonathan, became like BFFs with David. They were like super tight. And so when you talk about this whole idea of loving God and loving other people, like loving your friends the same way you love you, Jonathan did that, and he did it, he did it really well. He did it so well that he kept Saul from killing his friend David more than once. He would warn David. He'd be like, dude, my dad's coming after you. Run. Or, dude, I think, I think my dad's doing this, so you need to do this. And he would just go to his dad, and he'd be like, dad, why are you trying to kill David? He's, he's a godly guy. He loves God. He's, 
He's my best friend. He hasn't done anything to you. Why are you trying to kill him? And so he would stick up for David to his dad. And so Jonathan was an awesome friend. He's an awesome uh, kind of role model as far as how to be a good friend. So here's kind of what the Bible says about it. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, which again was Jonathan's dad, the king of Israel, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Now, again, that's not like weird or anything. Um, he's, he's connected to him. He loves him. He feels like he's his brother. Have you guys ever been on a sports team and you're just like, dude, these guys are my brothers, man. I would take a football mask to the face for this guy. That's kind of what's going on here. They, they are, they're buddying up. And it says, he loved him as himself, which is exactly what we just talked about. Jonathan loved David just like he loved himself. So if Jonathan was, was trying to, uh, to, I don't know, get a, a particular lady friend, and David liked the same lady, he would be like, dude, go ahead, and you can go ahead and try to date her. She's probably going to say no and date me, but go ahead and try it anyway. Um, so Jonathan and David, super tight. Jonathan loved David just like he loved himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Again, we see that twice. So Jonathan is, is, uh, is really like all about David and, and being friends with this guy. I mean, he's, he's gonna take a bullet for this guy if he has to. Verse four says this, he not only like loves him and has become one in spirit with him and stuff, but he's also willing to give to him. It says, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. So every, all this stuff that Jonathan has, now he's the son of the king. So he's got this nice stuff. He's got a nice robe, a nice tunic, which is, I know you guys have some nice tunics too, right? Anybody ever worn a tunic? Yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sure. A tunic is, uh, we'll go into that later. It's a weird kind of thing they used to wear. But uh, he had a sword, he had a bow, he had a belt, all this stuff, he gave it to him. Now, my question is, that's a little odd. Isn't like Jonathan gonna be like naked or something? I mean, isn't that weird? Um, he wouldn't be naked, but he would like, in, I mean, that's just kind of weird. And he gonna be like down to his undies at this point? Um, but he loved David that much that he would give the shirt off his back for this guy. He would give him anything he had if David needed it. And since Saul's trying to kill David, he gives him the sword and the bow. He's like, dude, protect yourself, brother. Don't let my dad kill you. And so he's willing to give anything for his friend David. How many friends, this is my question to you, how many friends do you guys have that are like that? And don't say it out loud, don't raise your hand or anything like that. But think in your head, how many friends do you have that would, you know, if you really needed something, they would give up whatever they had to help you out. Because those are the people that are loving you like they love themselves. Those are the friends that really are friends. Because all of us know that there's those people that will call, your, call themselves your friend and then they totally don't act like it later on. Or they totally do something that stabs you right in the back. And let's be honest, there's a lot of times we'll be those people. And so you gotta ask yourself, am I willing to give what, you know, the clothes on my back for my friend? Do I love them that much? And do you have friends in your life that are willing to give the shirt off their back if you need it? If you needed some money or you needed some, some food, would they hook you up with it? Would they be like, yeah, sure, dude, go ahead. Or are they gonna be stingy with it? Like, nah, man, these are my gummy bears. You can't have my gummy bears. I don't care how hungry you are. Mine. My gummy bears. 
So a real friend's going to share his gummy bears. Remember that. Okay? Now, that's friends, okay? They love you like they love themselves. They're willing to give up stuff for you. They're not going to turn their back on you when you're in need or when times get tough. They are about you. Now, again, these are your close-knit friends, okay? These are the people you let into your life. These are the people that you love and that you listen to. These are the people that need to be all about God and they need to be all about loving you just like they love themselves. They're givers. You get what I'm saying? Now, we're gonna, we're gonna move on now to the more than friends. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. Here's my strong opinion, okay? And you know it's my strong opinion because it says Brad's strong opinion. This is not a Bible verse. This is not... If you do this, you are sinning. This is my strong opinion, though. So I would encourage you strongly to do this. You get me? God didn't say this. I'm saying it. In no way am I in the same league with God. But I'm thinking there's a lot of wisdom in this. So here's what it is. My strong opinion is this. Anytime now. Don't date in middle school. Don't date in middle school. Now, there's a few people clapping, and I like that. Um, all right, but all right, stop clapping or, and stop booing or whatever you're doing. Here's why. Now, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you because I love you, okay? And I mean that. I, I really do. Listen. I know a lot of you will see that, and you're immediately going to be like, lame. Or you're going to be, look at that and say, Brad is a loser. Now, here's why I'm saying it. You can't drive yet. You can't, you can't, you can't really do anything that constitute really dating yet. On top of that, here's just the honest truth. You guys are going through more changes than anybody in any age group right now. Do y'all get that? You guys are going through more changes physically and mentally than any other group ever, okay? Y'all have hormones coming out your ears right now, okay? It's nuts. And so not dating in middle school is one of the smartest things I can tell you. Not the smartest thing, but it's one of the smartest things. So when I say don't date in middle school, I'm saying it because I love you and it's honestly the best thing for you. Again, if you date, you're not sinning. You're not going against one of the Ten Commandments. But the best thing for you would be to not date right now. Now, having said that, it is up to you on whether you do that or up to your parents, kind of however you guys work that whole deal. Um, But I'm going to move forward from here, assuming you're not going to date in middle school, which I know might be a big leap, but... I'm going to assume you're not going to date in middle school and you're going to apply some of this stuff for when you do start to date, whenever that is, which I would hope is when you're 26. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. (laughs) Um, 27. Now, um, here's some some things for you here. Now, uh, the same things that make good friends are going to make good better than friends. Okay? So what are those two things? Well, love God. Now remember, the people you date, here's the whole purpose of dating, in case you missed it, if you don't know what dating is about. The whole purpose of dating at the core is you're trying to find someone to marry. Do you get that? 
That's a fairly big deal, which is why I say you probably shouldn't do it in middle school because you're really not about to get married, right? No is the correct answer. If anybody says yes, we will meet after service and I'll chat with you. Um, The goal of dating is to find somebody to marry. I mean, that's the whole purpose ultimately is to find somebody to marry. So um, if you're looking for somebody to be with for the rest of your life and you're saying you want to love God, they should love God too. Crazy thought, isn't it? But if you want to love God with your whole life and you're going to be with somebody forever, they should love God too. So number one, same thing this with friends, they should love God. Number two is they should love you just like they love themselves. Have you ever been in a wedding ceremony? Not in it, but at it. Um, and you've heard the vows, you know, I promise to take you better or worse, blah, 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 blah. Um, and there's always this whole idea of I'm going to love you just like I love myself. I'm going to take care of you just like I take care of myself. There's no like I'm above you or anything like that. It's a we are together in this. We're becoming one. I love you just like I love myself. That's marriage, okay? So if you're looking for somebody to, to, to date, they need to be somebody who is going to be able to, to love that way, to love you just like they love them. If they're not, if they're just selfish and they're just about them, not a good candidate for a more than friend. Not a good candidate for a friend. You ever heard the whole saying, you, you know, it's, you always are, are doing pretty good when you marry your best friend? And I mean that in the sense of a guy and a girl, um, guy and a girl doing that. Um, have you ever heard married people say, I married my best friend? You ever heard that before? Well, it's because what makes a really good friend makes a really good more than friend. And if they're loving God with everything they have and they're loving you just like they love themselves, they're, they're really good candidates for possibly being somebody you might might want to, uh, you know, dig their chili or something. So, um, digging their chili is not some weird saying. It just means you like somebody, okay? Um, now, uh, all that is to say, don't date somebody who isn't in love with Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. It goes back to that first rule that we said, they love God. But I know all of you know this about a lot of uh, other middle school students, not you, surely not you, but there's a lot of, of people who will go to church and not, not live like Jesus lived. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. So when I say don't date somebody who isn't in love with Jesus, that means not just because they go to church does that mean they're in love with Jesus. I'm saying don't date anybody who isn't in love with Jesus because it needs to be somebody who is pursuing God. They're not just going to church. They're really trying to live for him, love him, know him. And it's more than just going to church. It's more than than being a part of a small group or coming to revolution. It's they are having a relationship with God. Because at the end of the day, at the the end of the whole dating process and, and whenever two people come together to get married, it's not just two people. God is involved in that. God is bringing two people together. And so they got to be in love with Jesus. They got to be in love with God and not just come to church, not just be religious, not just be a pretty good person, but in love with Jesus. I want y'all to hear that as you're, as you're getting older and older and starting to see people that 
you think, man, maybe I could date this person. One of the first questions you need to ask is, do they love Jesus? If yes, all right, let's move on to the next criteria. Do they have a comb over? Mm, they do, so no way, I'm not dating them. Um, so, number one, do they love Jesus? Don't date anybody who doesn't. Um, this lady right here. Uh, calm down. Now, I, I didn't have another example. I couldn't think of a witty example. Now, in your notes, you see um, there's a, 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 a few Bible verses from Ruth. That is a really good story about uh, another biblical example of romantic relationship. But I thought I'd tell you guys a little bit about my own uh, more than friend, um, whom I love. And in case you're confused, uh, that's my hot wife right there, uh, the one on the left. She, uh, I dig her chili immensely, and uh, she is, uh, she's pretty awesome. And I don't know how I tricked her into marrying me, but I did. And so here is, here's why I bring this picture up. Number one, I wanted you to see uh, and be jealous of my smoking hot wife. But number two, um, I wanted you to, to have a face with who I'm talking about when I talk about some boundaries that me and my wife had uh, as we were dating and as we were engaged and things like that. Um, so a couple of boundaries we had. And uh, maybe you want to use these, maybe you don't. I think they're pretty good, obviously, because I use them. Um, but one rule we had was we were never in a, a room alone together. And the door, oh, hold on, there was a key part I left out there. And the door was shut. We never had the door shut and in a room alone together. This is why we're dating. We do that, we, it's fine now. But when we're dating, we didn't shut the door and in a, a room together. Another rule we had is uh, we wouldn't, um, we wouldn't like use uh, blankets when we watched a movie in the dark and stuff. Just telling you some boundaries we had. And uh, another boundary we had, and, and this was kind of a big one, and I even made a slide for it and everything, so you know it's kind of a big deal, um, was this. Everybody, when I tell them this, they're like, no, liar. Promise is true. Uh, no kissing until engagement. We didn't kiss at all. And it's true, actually, we didn't. And I'm not saying that was easy. I wanted to smooch that girl, but we didn't do that. Now, some of those rules you might look at and be like, you didn't go in a room and shut the door? Stupid. You didn't kiss her? She's hot, why not? Here's why. Is being in the room with the door shut wrong? No, it's not. Being in the room with the door shut is not wrong. Is having a blanket over you watching a movie in the dark wrong? No, it's not. Is uh, kissing her while I'm dating her wrong? No, it's not. But the reason we had those things was because of this. Even good things, if they're not kept in check, can lead you away from Jesus and lead you into sin. And here's what that looks like. I know that if I kiss her, I'm going to like it. And I do. It's good. Um, so because I know that, and because I know we're not married, 
I don't want to like it too much and want to do anything other than kiss. And I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. You can ask your parents, but we weren't going to go any further than that. And so since I didn't want to go even tempt myself or tempt her to go any further than that, I wasn't going to. And so I just cut the whole thing out, the whole temptation. I took it out of there. Not that I didn't want to kiss her, but took the temptation to go any further out because I knew kissing would lead to other things that I might want to do and I didn't want to go there. Now, I wanted to do that to protect me. I wanted to do that to protect her. And guys, you need to have boundaries like this and not make the girl have the boundaries like this because you need to protect the girls. Did you hear me on that one? Stop, stop whatever you're doing right now and listen to me. You need to have a boundary. It doesn't have to be that boundary that I had, but you need to have some boundaries that keep you in check to protect you and to protect whatever girl you're dating whenever you date, which hopefully is not in middle school, okay? That's why we have boundaries when it comes to relationships and especially in this more than friends type of relationships because these things are gonna keep us from going down paths that are gonna hurt people and that are gonna hurt us. You need to have them now though. You need to go ahead and set them up and say, you know what, I need this, this, this in place. Because if you wait until later on when there's like, you're actually dating somebody and you really like them and they're really cute or whatever, you're gonna have a hard time saying, oh, let me put a boundary up really quick. You're not gonna wanna put a boundary up at that point. So put it up now. Put it up in middle school. Put it up in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Put it up before you go to a place you don't wanna go. And ultimately a place God doesn't want you to go. So even good things, like keeping the door shut with two of you in the room, isn't bad, but it can lead to bad things. It can lead to things that you didn't necessarily want to do or mean to do, but it happened. So could be a boundary for you. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's up to you. But the end goal is to have things that keep you from sinning and keep you focused on who God is and who Jesus is. So um, boundaries for relationships, like with everything, like with our heart, with our mind, these boundaries, they need to keep us focused on Jesus and away from sin. I mean, I'm going to keep saying that to you. I'm going to pound it in you because that's why we have these. That's why I want you to put some up to keep us focused on him away from sin. Instruments of righteousness is what we want to be. So then my question would be, what boundaries do you need to put up? What boundaries do you need to put up starting now Hopefully you've already put some up for your heart and your mind from when we talked about that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you need to start putting them up now. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Talk about some ideas in your small group. Hey, I think that no kissing thing might work for me. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe something else would work for you. Hey, I think that, uh, that whole boundary of uh, not having friends that that don't really love you and like willing to give, give stuff up for you. I think that I need to start using that. I need to kind of rethink some of my friends because they're not really friends, really. They're not very good friends. All the people that are super close to me don't even know who God is at all. Does that mean you drop them? No. Does it mean you maybe get a different group of people who are super tight with you? Probably, yeah. 
So what are some boundaries you need to put up in your relationships with your friends? And what are some boundaries you need to go ahead and put up for the whole dating world and the whole dating part of your life? What do you need to do? What do you need to put up? What do you need to go ahead and say, no, this is not gonna happen. No, this is not the kind of person I wanna hang out with. 